Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Anybody ever heard of the DISC personality test, right? If you haven't, it's okay. I hadn't either. Um, the, the DISC is an acronym, is D-I-S-C, right? And the D, it, it breaks people into four different categories. So the D, somebody who is a D, a high D, that person is dominant, direct, they're strong-willed, they're forceful. Somebody who is a high I, um, that's influence, right? That's a sociable person, that's a talkative person, that's a real lively person, they've got tons of energy. Somebody with an S, a high S, is someone who's steady, gentle, and accommodating, and soft-hearted. Someone with a high C is conscientious. They're they tend to be private, uh, maybe analytical, logical, right? And so uh, depending on how you answer uh, the questions to this test, you can come up with a range of like you're a high D or you're a high S, and then you have a secondary sometimes that's like close behind, or you can be high in three of them and low in one, right? So I had never heard of the disc. The first time that I ever had a conversation with Tim Dunn about Damascus Road, we grabbed coffee, um, and I was starting to learn about the church. And the church, he was getting ready to uh, transition out of Damascus Road. And he knew that the church would be looking for a pastor. And he, he's uh, checking me out, if that sounds weird, right? Um, but he says, what are you on the disc? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and he's like, oh, it'd be cool if you took it sometime and just could understand that more. And so like, my next question was, well, what do you think DR needs? And his response was, I think DR needs a high I. I think DR needs somebody who is influential, who is like uh, uh, charismatic, right? They're magnetic as a, as a person, somebody with lots of energy, somebody like that. So I went home. I took the disc. Um, and I wasn't trying to be manipulative. I wasn't like trying to be somebody I wasn't. I was trying to answer honestly. You know what I came back as? High I. I was like, Tim. Look, there's a connection here. I am what DR needs. Like, <laughs> and then I went and had dinner with the elders and wives, and I'm in conversation, and uh, Tracy says, I'm trained in DISC. You're no I. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Talk about being called out. But here's a question that's come since then is why do you, Shannon, why do you want so badly to be an I? If I'm an S, which I think that's what I am. If I'm an S, why do I want so badly to be somebody I'm not? And it was so freeing to me when I realized that DR didn't need me to be a high I. DR needed me to be me. Whatever that is. <laughs> right? DR needs me to be me, not to be pretend. You don't, you don't want me to pose. You don't want me to try to be something else. You want me to keep growing, right? But I don't have to pretend uh, to be something else. So here's a question for you. That's me. Here's a question for you. How comfortable are you in your own skin? How confident are you that God knew what he was doing when he knit you together? 
Do you ever look at others and think, I wish I could be more like them instead of like me? I wish my personality could be like theirs. Now, this is different than a desire to grow as a person, even to grow with God. It's more like you want to be someone you're not. You ever feel that? Two things. That's okay. That's normal. That's a human experience. And the second is I really want you to recognize that God made you on purpose. You don't have to strive to be someone else. God made you to walk around in your skin. And when you grow in understanding who that is, and you grow in understanding of your identity in him, there is a confidence that grows, even a self-deprecating one, right? Even where you can poke fun at yourself because you're confident in who God says you are, not confident in who God says they are. Well, you can have that confidence too. You just don't need to be that. You need to be you, right? So let's all affirm, like, This is a space, and we want to be a people who we're good in our own skin while at the same time saying, God, what do you want to do in me? Like, I'm yours. I don't want to hold back. I want to keep growing, but I want to grow as me, right? Whatever you want to do in me, you're free to do. Just free me from that trap of saying, I want to be somebody else, and that's when I would grow. That's not true. The Bible calls the church the body of Christ. As we follow Jesus, who the Bible calls our head, right? He's where it all comes back to. We all offer something different. We all offer something different. Some of us are natural connectors. Others of us are protectors. Some of us are creatives and others are caregivers. Some of us are pioneers breaking into new territory that has yet to be discovered. And in some sense, In some sense, we're all called to do all of these things, right? We're all called to do all of these things. It's called being a disciple. But some people find a sweet spot in some where others haven't yet. That's good. Like, we need each other. God made us so that we wouldn't be okay on our own. He made us for community. And when I recognize what I have to offer... And ways where I'm deficient, ways where I'm finite, right? And ways, things that you have to offer and ways that you're finite. We recognize how good we are together. God knit us together for community. So this this saves us from being just a bunch of arms or just a bunch of mouths, right? If we're the body, we need all of the parts working together in unity. That doesn't mean we're all the same, right? There's a diverse unity in God's kingdom and beauty that we can only see when we're functioning with diversity and unity together. This kind of thinking, I think, raises the bar for discipleship because it's teaching us that it's not the job of a few people to feed the rest, It's actually the way God wired the church is that all of us would feed one another. All of us would be feeding on God and all of us would be using what we've been given to equip and encourage and embolden one another. 
not to just become like one another, right? But to grow up into who I am and who you are and who you are together. If you're holding back or if you don't know who you are yet, that there's, there's part of our body that is not healthy. And we need greater health. We need the body functioning together. And that raises the bar for discipleship. Now, the good news is when Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave us gifts. He said, I'm going to equip you to do this, right? I'm going to, I have wired you, I have knit you together in such a way that this is in you. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who will give you a power that this world doesn't know. And when you're walking with the Holy Spirit, you're able to live out your God-given DNA for service, for the benefit of others. It's not just that you get puffed up. It's that you give that away and other people get blessed by it. And you get blessed by other people giving that away to you, right? God gave that to us. And as we all do that, I think the church rises together. The church grows and the church is activated and the church awakens to something that maybe has been dormant for a long, long, long time. A church has been a come and see event based kind of deal, especially in the West. And I think something's happening where God is calling the church to stand up. God is calling the church to rise and not just rely on a few to lead many, but the many to walk together. Right? And we're basing this series, we're calling it We the Church. We're basing it on Ephesians 4. Ephesians kind of functions like a foundational document for the church, like a constitution for what Jesus intends the church to be like, like this guiding document. And in Ephesians 4, it starts with this call to diverse unity, highlighting Jesus, but then looking at how he passed the torch on to the church. So we're going to read Ephesians 4, 1 through 8, and then we're going to read verses 11 through 13. Now, this is from the New Revised Standard Version. If you have a different translation, the message is going to be the same. It's just going to be a tweak different in words, right? All of our translations are kind of saying the same thing, just with a little bit different language. So this is New Revised Standard Version, Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. It says, this is Paul writing, I therefore... A prisoner in the Lord beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So he's calling us to unity, right? He's calling us to unity. And then he goes into unity, what it looks like. He says there is one body, not many bodies, one body, and one Spirit, not many spirits of God, one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. But to each one of us was given, uh, each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive, and he gave gifts to people. I want to stop there just for a sec. I love that phrase. In verse 8, therefore it said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. 
as if the people of God have been held captive, right? We have been held down and we have been restrained and restricted and we are not able to uh, live and breathe and walk as God intended us to do. And when Christ defeated death, when he died, he broke the chains of sin and death. And when he rose again, he made death die. And he made captivity his captive. And he sets us free. He sets the church free. And it says when he ascended, he made captivity a captive. And he gave gifts to his people. What did he give? What did he give? He gave himself. He gave his spirit. But then it says in verse 11, the gifts he gave, that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers. Why? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until all of us have come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure, the full stature of Christ. He made you, and he gave you gifts so that others would be blessed, so that others could grow in their maturity. And when we all do that, we move toward maturity. Ephesians 4 says, We, the church, are made up of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors or shepherds and teachers. We need all five of these functioning for us to be fully healthy. Now, some people think, some people that I deeply respect, think that he's talking about leadership positions or leadership offices, some of which are no longer active in the church today. I just disagree with them. And I think if you read through Ephesians 4 in the context, you don't see leadership. You don't see like specific, a few offices that Paul is going after to say, now he appointed these people so that, you know, you could get what you need. Like he appointed the church. He gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and some to be teachers. I don't think he's speaking about offices that are sealed. I think he's, th he's speaking about gifts that are given to the church that are meant to be lived in and are to be active even today. And I pray that they would grow in activity among us. We need all five of these to be healthy. And when, we, when these gifts are used, the body rises. It's activated in a way that changes the world. The heart and the ways of God pour out of us. And it changes us. And it changes the world. Through this series, we're taking one of these gifts a week. And we're breaking them down. Now, Justin did a fantastic job last week. Were you here last week? Did you hear it? Would you guys agree with that? Justin did a fantastic job with Apostle last week. If you weren't here last week, you should go back and listen. And I'll tell you how. Okay? You go to the church website. There's this, uh, a little tab called Sermons, and you can listen to the message from last week. If you want to understand what the gift of Apostle looks like, and if God knit that as a sweet spot into your life, go back and listen. Or search us on the uh, podcast. As a podcast, every week we put that out as a way to go back to that. Right? Listen to that so that you can understand more about the DNA of the church and maybe even how God wired you. And you can come into your own skin even more. Good job, by the way. It was really well done.
At the core of this teaching is Jesus. Because these gifts are given through Jesus, right? He gave them. And so it makes sense that Jesus would fully embody each one of these five, right? Last week, we asked the question, does Jesus embody the apostle? Which means the sent one, one sent by God. Uh, Yes, right? Someone who gets off his throne in heaven and is sent down to us. God so loved us that he sent, he gave his only son. Jesus is the perfect apostle. He is the perfect sent one, and we're called to follow after him. Apostle in the way Jesus did. We're going to see each of these five in Jesus. And you're going to find in this series, I think, that there are certain of these gifts that sort of resonate with your soul. There'll be others that you say, no, no, that's not me. I don't want that. And and I'd encourage you, don't say no to God. (laughs) Don't tell God how he didn't make you. Okay? Because there are times where we know what God has put in us, and there are other times where I think, God is saying, you don't even know this yet, and I'm going to stretch you here, right? And even if this isn't your sweet spot, I want you to take some risks and grow in this area. Doesn't mean try to be somebody you're not. Just follow me. Let me show you something different so that we're always relying on his strength. We're always leaning into him. We're always following him, and we're never trying to conjure this up on our own, right? This is always a gift given, not something that we have attained for ourselves. The reality is you and I are each called to live into each one of these to a certain degree. And that's good news. He wired us that way. But he gave some of us sweet spots. We keep saying that. So last week, Justin broke down the apostle as the sent one, helping the church break into new territory. Um, And today we get to explore the prophet. I want to talk about what the prophet does, what, and maybe some, maybe some of what the prophet doesn't. I want to talk about how Jesus embodies that role of prophet, that gift of prophet, how this function is lived out today in the church. I want to share a few quick examples, and then I want to give you some questions like Justin did last week with Apostle to be asking. If you feel like you're wired in this way, here are some questions that you can be asked as you grow the prophetic within you. The prophet means one who hears and listens to God and then shares that, right? Now, I don't know. I feel like maybe I need to just kind of lay out a disclaimer. Of all the five, this can be the one that feels the weirdest. This one can be the one that that makes people uneasy, like, because it just feels supernatural. It just feels, like, completely unnatural to me. What do you mean that God is speaking, and that I can hear, and then I can share that? What, what, what do you mean by that? And I want to say, if our God is, our God is supernatural, right? And he operates in supernatural ways. We should expect that not everything God does feels natural, Right? We should just expect that. I don't have to understand everything that God does for him to be doing it, right? Sometimes I think I make God a captive to my own intellect. You ever do that? 
God couldn't possibly do something that you couldn't understand. Easy. Check that. God operates in ways that are beyond our understanding. Now, that's not an excuse to turn off our brain and just unplug and say, well, I don't need to think about it. God made our brain too. He wants us to give all of ourselves to him. I just don't make God submit to any part of me, right? I submit to God. So the prophetic can feel weird. That's just okay. God moves sometimes where we don't understand what's going on. And we can just live in that tension there. Embrace it, pursue it, ask for it, um, and, and at the same time, ask for wisdom. I, wanna, so I just want to lay that down right at the beginning. Okay. The prophet wants people to hear from God and respond appropriately. Not just hear and let it go out the other side, right? Like, I heard from God, that's good. I don't need to do anything different. But hear from God and respond. Hear from God and change accordingly. Not, not just, like, to please Him, right? But because we trust Him. If God says something and I trust Him, I'm going to change. And I know that I don't even have to make that change in me. I just respond to what he's speaking, okay? The prophet wants people to hear and respond to God appropriately. So can you see Jesus as prophet? Yep, absolutely. Like the book of John opens up with, in the beginning was the word. He's called the word of God, right? Jesus is called the very word of God. So literally everything Jesus says is God speaking. And he wants people to hear it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have said anything, right? And he doesn't just do it because he's God. He also does it in relationship with the Father. It says he would go away for a long time, get up early and just go away so that he could spend time in prayer, connecting with the Father, getting like the plans for the day. Dad, what are we doing today? And he had these conversations. And then he'd go out and he'd speak with authority. And Jesus is listening to God and he's sharing that with people. And he's responding accordingly. Jesus is the ultimate prophet hearing and responding. John 12, 49 says, I have not spoken on my own authority. Like, we just play the God card. Well, Jesus said it because he's God. And he says, here, he didn't do that. I'm not speaking on my own authority, but the Father who sent me, that's the apostle active, has given him, uh, who has sent me has himself given me a command. What to say, that's the prophet. What to speak. He lived it. Over and over and over, Jesus is helping people understand what the Father is saying so they can respond to it. Mark 1.15, Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is saying, he who has an ear, let him hear. And the word for hear isn't just like let him understand. Let him hear and like live it come alive and be different because of it. Jesus functions as a prophet. So in the church, the prophets are the ones who have a quickened ear to the Spirit of God and to what He's saying. They have a passion to maintain a constant attentiveness to God. And they're sensitive to places where the life that God has for us 
is broken. Let me say that again. Prophets have a passion to maintain a constant attentiveness to God, and they're sensitive to the places where the life that God has for it is broken. Prophets see the way God intends and how our world is not living up to that, right? Prophets can see brokenness. This God orientation often shows up in worship leaders who are helping people to hear from God and respond to it, right? That Beth is giving you instruction this morning to listen to God is not an accident. It's part of how she's wired. It's part of what God has put in her to pay attention to what God is saying. That's a sweet spot there. The prophet cares about what God feels. God is passionate. He loves deeply, and God hates evil. And so often, prophets have strong convictions. They feel things deeply. Grief and pain and joy and rejoicing and anger and love and compassion and mercy, these are right in the pocket of the prophet. They feel things because God feels things. So if you were to give prophets body parts in the body of Christ, you'd see them taking on the ears as though those who hear from God. And maybe the eyes because they see what God is doing or they see the broken world that God grieves over. Prophets are the mouths because they speak on behalf of God, right? And the heart, because they feel deeply alongside the heart of God. The prophet lives with an orientation toward God. It's like this vertical orientation. And the prophet also has a horizontal orientation with the people and the world around them. Prophets will live attentive to God, and then they'll call that out of people. It shows up often in a call to repentance. Prophets, you can recognize a voice of a prophet when they're calling people to repent. And this isn't just stop doing bad things. Be morally right. That's not what a prophet is screaming, at least not a mature prophet. An immature prophet tends toward judgmentalism, right? And can, can tend toward moralism. Just do these things and you'll be godly, which is not the message of God. A mature prophet will call to repentance to say, the life that you're living, you're living on a trajectory not oriented toward God, and you need to hear something different. You need to hear something different and respond. That's repentance. To hear something different than the way you're, uh, you're currently living. Maybe it's just an awareness, or maybe it's a sin issue, right? All kinds of things go into repentance. It's not just, let me smack you. Repentance is a gift because it helps us to align ourselves with God. And the prophet is continually calling people toward repentance. Prophets will help people distinguish between true and false worship. We get stuck idolizing different things. And prophets help us to keep our eyes on Jesus and not get stuck with inanimate objects that we worship. Prophets champion justice because God cares about justice. We're called to live like God 
in this world. And it means entering into the darkness for the poor and the marginalized. That's a prophetic voice. It's not all uber spiritual. It's seeing the way God sees. When God calls us into the darkness, right? We who have been made light go into the darkness. The prophets often have a, they're champions of godly justice. Prophets often call God's people to holy living. They're agents of change. So quick, quick test to see if we're tracking together. The status quo means I just like things going as they are, right? I'm comfortable. Does a prophet like the status quo? True or false? False. Good. We're on the same page. <laughs> Prophets do not like the status quo because they're always, they're always looking to where God is calling us to be changed, to be transformed. I'm not done with you yet. Prophets are, they sing that song all the time. Now, a word about Old Testament prophets and today. Prophets today are different than prophets in the Old Testament. They're gone are the days of thus saith the Lord, right? Where a prophet would speak and it was on par with Scripture. It was like this is uh, new revelation from God being spoke out of the prophet's mouth. That's how it was seen. And if they were wrong, they were killed, right? There was a, that test. Get it right or die. Okay, kind of heavy deal, right? You didn't, you didn't have a lot of people saying, oh, can I have a prophet? Can I do that one? <laughs> right? Not rushing to that. Prophets today are not speaking new revelation from God. Like, the word of God is set. It is done. We have the Bible as our ultimate authority. But we also believe that God is alive, that God is moving, that the Spirit continues to say things and illuminate what He's already said before, right, and lead us so that God won't ever say something to a true prophet today in, in, in a way that disagrees with what He's already said. We test it against what He's already said. So if you have somebody that feels like, okay, I, God told me to do this, and it clearly violates scripture, they're wrong. They're wrong. Or they're lying, one or the other. Right? You cannot have God direct you toward uh, violence and brutality of people. If you think God is leading you to hurt someone, that is not God. And you need to repent. And you need to open that up in community and say, hey, I'm thinking I'm hearing this, and you need to have somebody slap reality into you. Okay? God doesn't operate that way. And that's why we need each other. We can be misled. Okay? We can be misled. And we need to stay true to what God is speaking because of what he's already said. We're told to test the prophecies today. Like in the New Testament, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 19 through 22, it says, do not quench the Spirit. Like the Spirit is active, right? Don't shut it down. We close ourselves off and we say, oh, no, God's done. And he's kind of stagnant, right? I'll just read the word and call that like uh, good enough knowledge. God's not, he's not primarily interested in just our intellect. 
It's all of us, right? And God is not done with you. He's still working today. It says, don't quench the spirit. Verse 20, do not despise prophecies. And I would be in a camp that for a long time I feel like was, uh, this verse was passively true about me. Where I wouldn't say I despise prophecies, but I certainly wasn't like eager about them. I didn't want them. It's weird. I'd like, nope, just kind of keep going with normal Christianity. It says, don't despise them. This is New Testament. This is not Old Testament. It's like, don't despise Jeremiah. This is, don't despise the prophecies that are happening today in the church. Jesus is gone. The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is still with us through that, and he's working today. Don't despise that. But, 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 test everything. That doesn't mean we're cynical or skeptical. That means we want it and we test it, right? We want it and we test it. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And we know that there will be false prophets. We know that there will be people, there are people who say that they've heard from God and say, this is what God told me to say, and they say it, and it's just wrong. It's just not true. 2 Peter 2.1 says, False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. Like, there are lots of voices, and only one voice of God. Right? So we have to be careful in how we approach this. Not um, reluctant, but careful. Again, in 1 John 4.1, in the New Living Translation, we're reminded of this need to discern what's shared. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. So here's a word of caution that can keep you from making mis uh, some mistakes that some prophets make. If you get a sense that God is saying something to you, don't also provide interpretation. If it doesn't make sense, just share what you think God put on your heart. And like, let that be. Don't try to make sense of it. Prophets are called to share what they've heard and then back up. And like, give it to the community and see what the community has to say about it. Does that hold true? Or is that not, not for today or just off completely, right? Don't feel the need. It's not yours. It's a gift for others. So if you're wrong, that's okay. Like, it's okay. You don't, you're not infallible. None of us are, right? We can hear things uh, that are a little bit off. And you're not always right. You don't, and you don't have to be. You don't, you don't have to be always right in order to share something you think God has put on your heart, right? You know what it's like to be with somebody who thinks they're always right. It feels like arrogance. Don't be that prophet. Be open-handed. Even when you're right, what you're hearing isn't coming from you. It's a gift, right? It's a gift. So receive it and give it with humility and generosity. Knowing what you know about Old Testament prophecies, prophecies, prophets, and then hearing how it's active today, do you think that prophets often win Mr. or Miss Congeniality? 
No, right? Often prophets are saying things that are like pokey. They're poking at people. They're poking at me and they're poking at you. Because we need to change. We need to just stay comfortable. We want to like listen to God and where he's leading us. Prophets are often the loneliest of the five. It can be a lonely gift. They love the intimacy they have with God. But they share things and sometimes it just falls on deaf ears. Even sometimes I think that God wants people to hear. And that, that can be lonely. They're often misunderstood. But do we need them? Yes. Can you see that? Can you see how we need people who have a God orientation and then a horizontal orientation to live according? To be constantly living, saying, God, what are you doing here? What are you saying here? What do we, how do we need to change according to what you're doing? Right? We need the prophets. So three different quick stories. I was having coffee with somebody a while ago, right? and she was sharing some really hard stuff going on. And I felt like God was saying, like, he's just bringing this one word to mind, the word courage. I'm like, I don't know, whatever. This is, I'm still not, like, fluent in all of this stuff. But, I'll, okay, God, I feel, I'm going to go. So I'm like, this might be weird, but I feel like God is just giving me this word courage for you. And she started, like, getting a little emotional. Like, I have that word tattooed on me, and I need that reminder right now. Like, with all of this stuff, I need that. I'm like, okay, weird. <laughs> right? That's not, that's not like, I didn't have this, like, confidence, like, God said it, courage! <laughs> you know, I'm kind of a weak vessel sometimes. Like, I think God gave me this for you. And she said, yes, yes, thank you, God that he's active today and moving. Last Sunday, we had our uh, prayer and worship time. It was awesome, you guys. We had 40, some of us here, uh, praying and worshiping together, and there was a mic up here that was just open to say, if you feel like God presses something on you, and you want to share that, then, like, this is a good space for that. And Matt Allsweed is sitting right back here, and all of a sudden, uh, Beth gives this instruction like, hey, there's a mic up here. Nobody's taken advantage of it yet. Maybe listen to God. And then if he says something to you that you should share, then do it. And Matt's like, oh, okay. So he closes his eyes. He's like, oh, what do you want to say? And he said he had this picture of a Rolodex, right? Beth said, what scripture maybe is God bringing to mind? And this Rolodex flashes through Matt's mind, and it lands on Romans 12, 1. And he's like, I don't know what to do with that. Maybe I should get up and read that. That's good. So he comes up, and that's literally what he said. I'm sitting here. God doesn't normally do this to me. This doesn't usually happen to me. But I feel like he pressed on me like Romans 12.1 that we need to read this section. And he started to read it, and he read through this wonderful passage in Romans 12. And then he finished, and he's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with that. I just felt like God wanted us to read that right now. You know what Matt didn't know at the time? We had some people praying in the back who were like, hey, can you come pray with me? Yes, I'd love to pray with you. Let's talk and let's pray. And right at the moment when Matt woke, uh, walked up here, they are like, oh, there's this passage that describes this thing. I just can't remember right where it is. It's Romans 12.1. <laughs> and it gets read out, and they're like, hmm, 
that was helpful. Thank you. Right? So, like, God is active. And it's not like, you know, clouds didn't form in the room here and have all this stuff. They could have. Like, God shows up sometimes weird, and we'd be like, there's a fire, and we should get out. (laughs) Maybe God's pushing us out, right? He just took what he was given, and he gave it away. That's what prophets do. And then they they just back up kind of open-handed. Kevin Fountain doesn't know this, that this was like prophetic. Uh, But the whole story of us giving as a church, of where like as a church we give away uh, a certain portion of everything that comes in. We weren't always doing that. That wasn't always part of our DNA. And Kevin just had a sudden conviction that we as a church body ought to be modeling what we think every disciple ought to be living by. So he like had this conversation five years ago and said, we need to be giving 10% right now. Like, immediate change. Let's orient ourselves to what God is doing and be faithful to that. And so we started giving 10% with this desire to grow in grace every year. And so now, 1% a year we've grown. And as January 2019 started, we're giving 15% away. Right? And that's, that's God laying down a conviction and him presenting it. It being accepted by the body saying, that's what we want to go for. And that's the prophetic mixing into the church and needed for how we go and how we grow. As we follow Jesus, share life, and love our neighbor, we need to be attentive to the voice of God in our lives. So again, all of us are called as disciples to foster the prophetic within us. It's going to come a lot more naturally to some of us than others. That's okay. That's good. If you feel a passion for a life oriented toward God, if you have a passion for justice and holiness, and if you're dissatisfied with the status quo, if your hearts break because of the brokenness around you in the world, if you sense God leading and speaking, then it might be because you're wired as a prophet. So here are some questions to ask. We're just going to put this up on the screen. The first is, what do I think God is saying? What do I think God is saying? Has he ever said anything like this before? And that's a Bible question, right? You look in the Bible. Has he ever said anything like this before? Does this contradict anything that God has already said? Would it be in violation of anything in the Bible? With whom can I share this so that I could test it, right? If I feel like God is giving me this, who can I share this with so that they could either resound or reject that? And will I be brave? If I think I'm hearing from God, will I respond? Or will I just live, nah, I'm good? Will I be brave? To the prophets among us, we need you. We need you. Continue to listen and continue to share and weather times of loneliness because we need you. I pray that all of us grow in maturity 
in humility and in boldness so that we as a church can be ever sharpened in following where God is leading us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the way that you give yourself to us. Jesus, as you embody the prophet and as you pass it on to this, as you wire this into our DNA, we say thank you. And we say thank you for the way that you've wired this as a sweet spot into some of us here in this body. Would you help us to celebrate them, to embrace them, to call them to rise, to call them to live in their skin as you made them, to be ever constantly being transformed by you and sharing that with us. Help us all to be attentive to what you're saying. Help us all to be discerning and not cast about by all the different voices, but to learn your voice, to hear from you and respond. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.